from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast While blockbuster hit RRR made all the headlines after a song from the film was shortlisted for the Oscars, another quiet entrant into the Oscar shortlist was the documentary All That Breathes. The film that has been hailed by critics has also won awards at the Cannes and Sundance Film Festivals. We've spoken with the maker of the film Sean Axen after the Sundance Film Festival and we're bringing that episode back today. जब बाकी बर्ड उड़ती है उनकी मेहनत दिखती है पर चील तैरती है हम तारपोलीन के छेद से ऊपर देखा करते थे सुस्त सतिल आसमान में जब हम पहली चील घर लाए मैं देर रात जाकर उसे घूरता था खूंखार रेप्टाइल लगती थी किसी और प्लेनेट से The word dystopian is now often used to describe Delhi's air, its sky a shade of exhausted grey. But in Shonak Sen's documentary All That Breeds, we get a full measure of what dystopian really means as birds colliding with Delhi's urban sprawl at odds with its noxious air literally fall from the skies. This poignant and vividly observed documentary won the prestigious Grand Jury Prize at Sundance earlier this week. It revolves around two brothers, Nadeem and Saud, who live in Delhi's Wazirabad, where in addition to manufacturing soap dispensers in their basement, they also treat injured kites and raptors. The documentary shot during the 2019 CAA protests, the riots that followed, and then the pandemic lyrically fuses the hurt and the healing in the basement of the brothers' home with the political and the environmental catastrophes unfolding outside. In this interview, Shonak Sen, the Delhi-based director, speaks about the ideas and the processes that animated the documentary the international critics can't stop raving about. I suppose every film begins with this kind of a vague, uh, evanescent glow at the back of your head, and you only have a kind of, um, you know, visual texture and a sense of feeling of what you want to invoke more than what you want to show or do. um and with me for all of us who've been living in delhi in recent years i think there's a very specific um, visual texture of life right of the gray skies the kind of monotone hazy um uh, lamina laminating our lives where the sky is this kind of diffused blot and every time you look up if you're caught in traffic jam while driving you'd see these tiny um dots peppering the sky which are the black kites and this broader sense of uh, uh, just the noxious air that you're breathing in constantly the sense that the environment that is ensconcing you is in itself somehow become bit hostile to your sense of sustenance and well-being so these were the kind of vague kind of things that i was interested in this general grayness and this what and the sense of all of us who are kind of quote unquote community of air um um feeling the sense like we're on the brink of something and also I was very interested in uh, thinking of the human animal relationship within the city 
um so these are the sort of founding sort of threads that i was interested in and so we started looking for people who have some kind of a deep or profound relationship with um birds or the skies and then we chanced upon the work of these two brothers nadeem and saud who um basically from their tiny derelict basement where they're working almost from no support or very little donation support where um for the last 15 years they've saved over 20000 black kites and increasingly in delhi a firstly with uh, paper kite flying or because the air has become denser so many uh, birds just like especially the bigger birds and raptors increasingly they collide into buildings or get entangled in wires and fall down now uh, so many of these injured birds basically come to the to this one tiny basement one half of this basement is this kind of like place of industrial decay and there's these big heavy metal cutting machines and soap dispensers are being made there and on the other half you'll see these magisterial birds being treated so just this kind of salient bipolarity in this space just felt so remarkably cinematic to me and that's how the process began and the brothers too and of course salik their helper i mean they're all very poetic in their own way very understated Uh, deeply uh, emotional people uh, can you talk a little bit about finding them and getting them to sort of uh, open up in the way that they do mhm well i suppose in the first month of shooting in the, um, the well it's funny because right now while talking nadeem has mentioned uh, has just messaged me saying uh, the josh is high sir because he's obviously they're feeling nice about the uh, what I think in the beginning of any documentary project you know the first few weeks or the first month is actually not so much about the eventual uh, visual object or what will come out of it but actually just the labor put into earning the trust of your characters so initially you know like people are not used to an obtrusive presence like the camera and they're constantly curating the self that they're extending in front of the camera so um w- like the joke in the crew always is that it's only when you get a character to yawn in front of the cameras when you realize that they're truly bored by your presence and that's when the best material comes when you receded into the background you've become the wallpaper of their lives and mm. only then is it actually interesting and usable material comes out so uh, the question of trust and all of that is really about showing up every day for a month where to a point where they realize that ha ye log roz aayenge and mm. they are interested in the banality in the stuff of our lives that's the main thing that the coming is not an event nor is and we didn't want to take interviews and we were just shooting life observationally right so um and over time they sort of opened up uh, the main thing is that the brothers and what attracted me to them is that they're not you know there's a lot of bleeding heart sentimentalism when it comes to a lot of environmental things and um i that i don't often have too much patience for it mm. and uh, their kind of position which is a kind of wry unsentimental sense of soldiering on even though they're literally they have the front row seat to the apocalypse you know birds are literally falling off the sky so despite them being at the forefront of witnessing on a daily scale this kind of a monumental scale of um destruction and devastation uh, they have this kind of thing of putting their head down and going on and there's a ryanness to it which as a perspective i found very interesting so my main thing in the initial part was to actually somehow excavate or mine that the film was also 
shot through a very uh, fraught time of the protests, the riots, and the pandemic eventually. Can you talk a little bit about that? This film was never intended to be a sort of frontal, direct political snapshot of the contemporary moment in the most conventional senses of the word, right? And um, and I still don't think that the film actually in any way uh, frontally gets into any of that uh, political milieu. What I was interested in was uh, we wanted to train our gaze firmly on the characters and what they were doing. But over time, what happens is that, you know, it's like I was as a form, I was very interested in this idea of the leak where uh, the brothers form the sanctum, the emotional anchor in the film, of course. But, you know, like in our everyday lives, things leak in from a broader macrocosmic sort of a thing. So, and the film is anyway layered where, where there are different layers of the brother's life. There's the layers of um, the life of non, like non-human life itself playing out in the city that we also devote a lot of time to. And also the kind of social unrest or turbulence in the city as it was happening. But we never actually fully see it, right? So what happens is that, it's characters go to the uh, balcony and some audio comes in of something happening. So you vaguely get a sense that this is a city in churning and bahar kuch chal rahe. And this is like, like there's some sort of um, turbulence uh, ongoing outside. But what we're interested in is the inner life of the mind when people who are aware, as the brothers are, but at the same time have clearly a different calling, which to my mind in the if there, if one was to put a daft hierarchy of uh, quote-unquote politics, the brothers are interested in a kind of cosmological politics, right? They're interested in the relationship between um, man and sky. They're interested in the relation between uh, between humans and birds. And for them, that's also as pressing a thing while all of this is happening outside. And uh, they're not very uh, conventionally, directly, quote-unquote, politically uh, you know, attuned people, while they're very aware. Um, so I was interested in staging these things where these outer bubbles or these outer, uh, you know, macrocosms are sent, like you can sense them and you can sense a slightly ominous sort of superstructure to things. But um, it's not it's not something that you directly uh, turn towards for the most part. And they sort of like, and that's how often life is, right? You're devoted to something and things kind of hemorrhage in. There are 50 things competing for attention. Uh, you know, there's the protests, the riots. Uh, how much of the pandemic affected the filming? Was there, was there, a, was there an awareness that that is something that you're going to tackle or not tackle? We shot uh, at various points through the last two years. So, of course, the pandemic was... Uh, thing that was looming large but in the final edit we decided to not give it a like a separate kind of a presence and in the middle you see one or two people wearing masks so it's this and you know it's the classic pressure of um, uh, films that are being made now where do you actually inaugurate the coming of the pandemic or do you, you think of it as the epistemic wallpaper of the world that we live in anyway right so um, I, we decided to not give it any extra time uh, in terms of the things that were competing, 
I mean, the things that you're mentioning are only one part of the mesh work, right? The social unrest is just one part of it. And there's great joy in the discipline of training your gaze at one thing and really blinkering yourself and keeping on looking at it and let other things bleed in, you know, leak in and not. And that's something that we tried to work very hard on. We were very sure that this is not a, you know, it's not a pamphleteering film. From the very beginning, we had decided what the film was not. So it was most definitely not a a wildlife or a conventional nature doc, right? None of us had the skill to do it and none of us wanted to do it. It was definitely not just about a bird hospital being made, right? Um, So so since we were clear about what it was not, what happens is that it then becomes a bunch of things altogether, which I think, I hope works to the strength of the film because that was the structuring logic of the edit as well. Uh, Shona, can you uh, talk about the challenges of shooting the various animals who are the sort of the residents of the outer peripheries of Delhi in the garbage heaps, in the polluted rivers? Uh, there's a lovely shot of the foam in Yamuna and there's that little bird which is looking out quite stoically. So one of the main sort of uh, things, uh, currents in the film was to shoot what we in the crew uh, shorthanded as life writ large. You know, and the idea was to show a kind of simultaneity or co-presence and coexistence of life of various different life forms in the city, which is why we have these long languid shots of turtles, snails, horses, rats, all of that, right? And uh, the idea was to sort of like uh, give us, you know, like writing can't do it or talking doesn't do it or music doesn't do it, but the cinematic medium, the visual medium allows this kind of staging of different durational experiences, right? Different temporalities. So for instance, when you see a turtle uh, clamber up, like climb up through garbage and look at traffic going by, there, what you're seeing is two different kind of durational experiences colliding. Or when you have four minutes of just like deeply getting immersed in this world of rats in the middle of a like a main road in the city at night it's like the idea is to like we were really interested in this kind of form where we would have long uncut shots where the camera reveals this kind of simultaneity of life you know that was the kind of language that we developed uh, slowly through the film hmm. with the uh, cinematographers like uh, ben bernhard at first and then rijudas um where we developed this idea of the slow cinematic reveal through languid tilts, uh, very slow pans and focus shifts and so on. So um, in this, the landscape itself also is a character, right? Like Delhi and its skies are the character. So of course, at times you see clear emblems of pollution, but I was not interested in just like showing pollution. That's not that's not very interesting. And also the, beyond the point, there's not much point in aestheticizing that because then it, you know, it feels like, I, I was sure that I didn't want to make pollution porn. Because a lot of, we've seen a lot of images of smoke guzzling out of chimneys and that's about the substance of it. But clearly that doesn't sum up the ecosystem of Delhi, right? It's that, but a lot of other things. So um, in shooting a lot of these animals in the wild, in their habitat, very often they are um, around places that are garbage heaps or landfills, etc. And uh, of course, those places also cinematically look uh, great. So... Um, we used a whole different kind of like, uh, sometimes you're using very long lenses, like 1000 mm. Sometimes you just wait for hours in the weight of some animals scurrying past and then quickly do a lot of close wide angle pans. It required the rigor of nature shooting when we didn't have the training for it. But um, I mean, we 
that's why it took two and a half years to shoot. Are you also interested in fiction? Unlike my previous film, this film called Cities of Sleep, which was very handheld and gritty and raw and immersive um, and verite in the classic sense of the word, um, this film uh, we had decided would be far more controlled, tripoded, aestheticized, curated, set-pieced. You know, it was like designed with a style, and it would be lyricized and poetic and all of that. So, therefore, you start. deploying a lot of the shooting techniques of fiction by which i mean the camera movement so you can have two people going about their lives and in documentary the general the conventional sense usually is to handheld it because to handhold it because you know like you have to follow the rhythms and cadences of natural life but when you start doing that especially if it's a confined space and when you start doing it with um, a kind of fluid slider based camera then it takes on a different charge unto itself which uh, we were very interested in also more interestingly when you've shot it's also a question of editing right like in fiction essentially what you're doing is you're constantly paying obeisance at the altar of intention and obstacle for character right so you're breaking it into three acts you're saying character's journey ye conflict hai ye hoga fir ye hoga fir ye hoga right you have a predetermined story right but here you make the story on the edit so mm-hmm. when you've shot for two and a half years uh you get a sense of what the first act or the second act or the third act will be mm. and you sort of that's what i mean you start chiseling it and you start sharpening it in a way and we had a fantastic edit team with um uh, charlotte bengson and vidhan joshi where uh, it, we worked very hard on like we had you know like a, a post it board up on the wall with all the film laid out and we broke it into three acts you know so and then started once we had a kind of through line of a story um uh, that could conform to that kind of a proper story dramaturgy we started taking out bits to make it more elliptical and making out more so to also give an experience of it like not being like a conventional story about just nice people doing nice things i'm interested in this form like the whole team was where we wanted to do this thing that we can call treated actuality you know where you have the real world and thankfully we were also shooting people who were doing the same thing over and over again and there's a cyclical nature to their lives so you have greater control over how you're going to shoot it mm. so um, to try and like treat actuality and shoot it in a way where it takes this kind of framed uh, controlled uh, aestheticized quality can you talk a little bit about your big influences you know it's like the practitioners of like this kind of a creative documentary form is what i've been following and hungrily consuming for a while so we were very influenced by uh, victor kosakovsky actually whose uh, dp ben bernard came and shot for us um uh, gianfranco rossi uh, this uh, italian american uh, filmmaker who from him i was super interested in this form of just vignettes to and very elliptical snapshots or vignettes to string together a story uh which doesn't have a more conventional kind of a through line so that i was very interested in um and also this other guy who i discovered more recently in the recent years called roberto minovini who plays in this uh, he of course takes it really far and plays it plays within this hybrid form of uh, uh non fiction and fiction uh, we don't go as far at all but uh, these are some of our um, influences in terms of indian documentaries um form wise something that i've uh, i loved and like thought was interesting though we don't uh, at all adhere to that style is uh, uh, oshimalwaliya's john and jane 
it's uh, something that uh, we all were very in terms of just form you know very very interesting mm. can you talk about your relationship with the city of delhi we are all deeply embedded in the local milieu of the city and very interested in the vernacular and the colloquial cultures of the city and therefore i think have a sense of um uh, of finding characters who are interesting so if the previous if our previous one was pretty much the same team that worked on the previous film um if in cities of sleep we were working on um looking at the city through the lens of sleep or the night in this film i think the idea was to examine the city through the skies and through the birds that are falling off the sky you know so delhi through the black kite that was the idea and when we began we were sure that like you know we wanted the audiences to leave the theaters and look up the idea was to somehow enchant the sky and enchant the birds but to have some kind of a dystopic fairy tale you know like a fairy tale that's gone bad like the essentially if it's a love story between the brothers and them falling in love with one species of birds something of that kind of a fairy tale gone dark or dystopic was what we were interested in and delhi has these kinds of layers that one can um get, like you know like any other megapolis it's like if you really get into it it has various points of entry into it and i think sleep was one point of entry in the previous film birds were one point of entry in this film so and we we all are deeply invested and engaged in the city Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TOI Plus, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at toipodcast@timesinternet.in.